0: Um, Let's just jump right in here in the book of John and just hear straight from the words of our Lord. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me but so that the world may know that I love the father I do exactly as the father commanded me get up let us go from here
1: and good morning Tri-Cities Church hey all right well welcome to Tri-Cities Church on this uh, Sunday morning uh, as we continue. Studying through John, the Gospel of John. I am, I am excited because we are on uh, the section on the Holy Spirit, um, but also at the same time, recognizing that there's no way that we'll be able to cover all that there is uh, for us to cover about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to focus in in John chapter 14. And just what Jesus teaches us there about the Holy Spirit that Stacey, uh just read for us. As, I was, as we were singing that song, and it kept repeating, uh, he moves mountains in this celebration of the fact that there is a God who moves mountains, who's in control, who can do the impossible, who can speak to our situation, who can bring us through uh, the storms of life. I couldn't help but think about uh, those who are still suffering from the effects of a storm um, that hit Texas and the fearfulness of what it looks like to return to their homes after the waters uh, recede and the questions of what do you do now and what does life look like now in the midst of such devastation. And I think it's appropriate for the church uh, to stand with and for those in other parts of the world who are suffering and going through uh, difficulty and hardship in their life Um, One of the most powerful things we can do as a testimony to our faith in our great God is to pray uh, for those that we might never have contact with. And so to really allow our hearts to be broken in the way that God's heart is broken um, by the devastation that's there and to pray. Um, But then the um, the church is acting irresponsible if the church... Fails to act, right? It fails to give beyond our prayer. So I, I do challenge you um, to spend time uh, continuously this week and in the weeks ahead in prayer uh, for those in Texas who have been affected by Hurricane Harvey and the storms uh, that I've hit. Um, um, I pray, uh, pray for safety, pray for protection, pray for peace in the midst of storm, uh, pray for faith. I love the fact that when we see Paul writing to the church, and the church is facing terribly difficult times. The first thing he does is pray for their faith, that their faith might be made stronger through awful and difficult situations, um, but then also pray for their protection and for their, their healing, uh, and, and pray that, um, that, the, um, that the outreach and the efforts of our nation direct it towards um, those who have had their lives devastated um, will be effective and that pieces of people's lives will begin to be restored and pray that the churches will be able to play an important role in that as we should. Amen. Uh, well, let's, let's spend a moment in prayer um, before we move on. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to gather in this place and to stand, to stand on dry ground knowing that there are others throughout this nation, and particularly in Texas, who are not standing on dry ground. God, we pray for all who've been affected by the storm, those whose lives have been swept away by the waters. And God, I pray that their life will find its right, firm, dry foundation in you that you will be the source and foundation of their hope and our hope as well. God, I pray that as we pray that we will be strengthened and in tune with your spirit, we will be moved to give and to act on their behalf, although we may never see or know the stories of their lives or the devastation that they face. But God, we pray for healing We pray for protection. We pray that no more life will be lost and that the pieces of life here on earth will begin to be built back together there in Houston and in the rest of Texas. God, please guide us as we move this morning into our passage and as we study in John about the Holy Spirit. God, please guide us in our thinking and our understanding about this passage, please help us to see not just what you've promised, um, but what it looks like, what it means for us to live into your promises, to live by the power of your Holy Spirit. in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. So this morning we're talking about... um, Just to jump right into the message, right? This morning we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is, I believe, probably the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. Now, Trinity, if you're not familiar with that term, Trinity is a a theological term that's used within the church to talk about. It's not in the Bible, right? It's used to talk about the persons of God, right? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, you might have heard it. Um, God, the Father, um, that's... um, Oh, man. That's... that's. um, as Jesus might have put it, Daddy God, right? Uh, God the Father, Daddy God, the the one that we think of as being in heaven, the one that we think of as being in control of all things. Um, when we think of God, that's usually what we think about. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, as we read about in the New Testament, um, God in the flesh is sometimes referred to, fully God, uh, also, which is a difficult concept. Which we'll get a little bit into that, but not too much because we're getting to the Holy Spirit, God the father god the son god the holy Spirit and that 's what we see Jesus promising today in the, this chapter of John that he 's going to send his Holy Spirit now the Trinity is a terribly difficult concept for us to understand so on the one hand we 're dealing with this terribly uh, uh, um, uh, difficult concept for us to understand and not only that but we 're also talking about the Holy Spirit which is the most misunderstood person of the Trinity so really what the task that we have laid out before us is is a difficult one and what I want us to do this morning is really not to try to get a comprehensive view of the Holy Spirit and all the many ways the Holy Spirit works and God's Spirit works, but to understand more fully what Jesus teaches us about God's Spirit. Um, Because what we begin to see is that this this concept of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy um, Holy Spirit, is is something that is far outside of our grasp. In fact, I was thinking this week as I was thinking about the Trinity, because it's... um, it's one God, right? Um, one God, three persons is the way it's a lot of, a lot of times referred to. Um, but although it's three persons, it's not one is not one, it's three persons, not one, oh, it's so difficult to understand, it's not one person, right? It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which are all individuals that that, that that all exist at the same time, not in different phases or modes throughout history, but all have unique responsibilities. So it's a concept that we just really can't wrap our minds around, right? It's one God, though, that exists in three different ways, three different persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all at the same time doing unique work in this world, but that all part, all, all fully God. Can I say that? All, all fully God. Did, did, not can I say that. Did I say that? They're all fully. Fully, fully God, right? So the, the Son is no lesser God. Like, Jesus is no lesser God. The Spirit is no lesser God. God the Father is no lesser God. They're, they're all equal, serving different different roles and responsibilities uh, in in this world. And it's all God. Now, now I, I wanted to open up talking about the Trinity because this is important, right? The Trinity is beyond our ability to understand it. And that's a good thing, all right? Um... Because although people spend time in schools and seminaries and in academic institutions studying God, no one is able to fully understand. Like never has there been written on um, the book of God for dummies. Well, maybe there is a book of God for dummies. But, but never has there been written an accurate and uh, complete book of God for dummies that covers all that there is to know about God. And in fact, if there is something, or if there were a way for us to know all that there is for us to know about God, then God would cease to to be God. And so we want a God that's beyond our knowing, a God that's beyond our ability to fully understand and comprehend, a God who though is revealing himself to us. And so what we're looking at this morning when we talk about the Holy Spirit is we're looking at how God has chosen to reveal himself To us through the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about Holy Spirit, there's all different kinds of associations that people have with the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you grew up in a church where the emphasis on the Spirit was on this animated, um, um, maybe what, what appeared to be or even what was an out of control expression of worship. I think about my childhood when I was growing up in the church I grew up in. And uh, it was um, it we we would have these um, these moments in worship where someone would totally as, as a kid the way I would have said it they would totally lose their cool right uh, in in excitement and joy of what God was doing and in, in, in fact it wasn't um, it wasn't rare for you to find someone out in the aisles or with their arms fail, flailing and we had ushers we don't have uh, ushers in the sense that this church had ushers at, at the church I grew up in and the ushers would come up and they would grab hold of the person's arms and fan them to cool them off. And we would say they had, they had, they had caught the Holy Ghost, right? Um, the, the Spirit of God had moved in their life through this exuberant way of worship, this out of control. And so, so maybe that's your image of the Holy Spirit. And, or, or maybe when you think about Holy Spirit, maybe you think about um, the gifts of the Spirit, the miraculous works of the Spirit. Um, where w- what we see in the in the Bible, we see um, we see a prophecy, God giving people a word to speak that they have no way of knowing beyond God's miraculous gift, or we see people speaking in tongues and. And uh, we we see miraculous works of the Spirit through healing, people laying on hands, and people being healed of all kinds of diseases. And so maybe when you think of the Spirit, maybe you're thinking about the gifts of the Spirit and the miraculous ways that God has worked in our world. And we see that in the Scripture. We see both the exuberant, the expressive, the out-of-control worship. We see that at the very birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. If you read there, uh, and and people, um, the Holy Spirit descended on the people, and people began to speak in tongues and, and, and people thought they were drunk because um, they didn 't know what was happening and couldn't upper, underhand uh, uh, couldn't, um, uh, couldn't understand underhand. They couldn't understand what they were seeing. We see um, the Spirit moving in the book of Acts, sometimes referred to as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, right? They are the works that God's Spirit is doing through the disciples and the apostles as they are laying on hands and people are being healed. But, but then also, maybe your understanding of the Spirit is, is something um, a little bit more um, inner. Maybe this quiet, quiet inner leading of God, right? Maybe, maybe you refer to it as a sensing or a knowing. Um, God, God is leading me. Right? We we use words like God is leading, or, or we use the word discernment. God is God has helped me to discern the course of my life. We see that in, in the Bible, particularly um, in, in Acts. We see that that um, there's this one passage, Acts chapter 16. I think it's in verse uh, verse 6. I think we have it on the screen. Uh, yeah, this is, this is Paul, and they're on this missionary journey. And he, and it says, They passed through Phry- 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 Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7, And after they came to Mys. These a weird words, My, My, Myzia, um, they were trying to go to Bit. I should have picked a better scripture, y'all. They were trying to go to Bith- Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And so, what we see here is that they were they were doing work on behalf of the Lord. But at the same time, the whole way the Lord was guiding the work they were doing through, the, through His Spirit. The Spirit didn't permit them to go, so they had their own plans of what I wanted to do or what I was going to set out to do and what I was going to accomplish, and I was going to go here to had their own itinerary, right? Have you ever been like that, right? You've had your own itinerary, and there's sometimes that God brings a divine interruption into your itinerary by His Spirit. That's what we see happening There in the scriptures. These people had their own itinerary, um, but they were so sensitive to what God was doing in the world through his spirit, and they were open to God's spirit, that God was leading them. And so um, so there's these these different ways, and even more than that, of understanding the way God's Spirit works in our our world. And in fact, all those ways are grounded in Scripture. And if, if I had to guess, I would say. Um, that Tri-Cities Church is all over the map when it comes to our understanding of of the Spirit of God and the way God's Spirit works. I've had different conversations with different people, and we've Uh, We have formed a diverse church here with people, not just racially diverse, but from different backgrounds and denominations and church traditions where we have different understandings of how the Spirit works, and a lot of that's based in just what we were taught maybe growing up or in our church or our tradition. Um, But my prayer this morning is that we'll be open to what Jesus has to teach us about the Holy Spirit, because what we're going to try to answer this morning is, uh, what is the essential Role of the Holy Spirit in every believer's life. What is the essential role of the Holy Spirit in every believer's life? And I want us to be careful, right? Because the temptation for us, just as a church in general, is to take the descriptive role of the Holy Spirit that we see uh, throughout the New Testament and make that prescriptive for everybody's life. But what the Bible challenges us to do is not take that descriptive role. For instance, um, just because Paul, uh, by the Holy Spirit, might have laid hands on someone and they have been healed, does not mean that's not God, that, that, that that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, or just because. Um, um, Uh, The group of people that were gathered there to worship on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell and the people there just started um, bursting out speaking in tongues does not mean that that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life as well. So we don't want to take what was descriptive of what the Holy Spirit did and make it prescriptive for every believer's life. But here's what I want us to see, though. Um, We got to be careful um, not to limit what the Spirit is able to do in our lives, through our lives, based upon our church tradition, background, and history, on, on the one hand, right? Um, our fears, and what makes me uncomfortable, right? Um <laughs> And I don't have a better way of saying this. And and our own ignorance. Sometimes um, we 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 we, I we we I I count God out for things that God is able to do. In other words, just because I can't wrap my mind around it, I'm quick to go well. God obviously can't do it because I can't wrap my mind around it, and that's clearly not the way God is going to work in this this world. And so there's times that we place limits on what God is able and willing and wanting to do in our lives based on our church tradition, based on our own ignorance, based on our own fear. And and, and what I want us to see is that what Jesus is doing, and he's teaching in kind of a vague way about the Holy Spirit, um, because I believe that he wants his disciples supposed to be? fully open to the way that God wants to work in this world. And that's what we begin to see in the book of Acts in chapter 2, when Jesus was sitting down in John chapter 14, and he was teaching about the Holy Spirit. I don't think anybody had in mind this um, this powerful uh, fall of the Holy Spirit that causes uncontrollable expression of tongues. Like, I don't think anybody was going, oh, tongues, that's what you're teaching us. Like, nobody was doing that as Jesus was talking in John chapter 14, but rather there was a people that Jesus was preparing. to be open to the many ways that God would move and act by His Spirit and that the power of God and the purposes of God will be fulfilled in this world. And so when we get in John chapter 14, um, what we begin to see, because this section can only really be understood properly uh, within its context, what we begin to see is that Jesus is sitting down, as, as we've been for the last couple of weeks, we've seen Jesus sitting down with His disciples. Uh, He's getting ready to go to the cross. This is the night before the cross. And he's sitting down with his disciples and he's explaining some stuff to them, right? He's giving them some instructions that he won't have the opportunity To give them down the road. And so he's explaining some stuff uh, to them. This very intimate moment that we're kind of invited into with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, And these guys have been walking with Jesus for the last three years. They've left home, they've left career, they've even left family to some degree to be with Jesus. They've never felt closer to God than they felt right there in those moments because they were with God. God, right? God in the flesh. They were literally walking with God every single day. They had never felt closer to God. They had never had as much hope in their lives as they had. They had never dreamed the way they had dreamed after seeing the things that Jesus was able to do. They had never had so much excitement about tomorrow. And now Jesus is sitting down and he's going, I'm getting ready to go. And, and, I, and I, want you to, I want us to feel the weight of what's going on there. As, as their hearts begin to crumble. Because they aren't able to understand um, what what exactly that means that this guy that they've left home for, they've left family for, career for, they've built their lives on these three years of excitement and and joy uh, for the next day and next moment to come. And now they know that moment is ending and Jesus sits down um, with these disciples and he begins to teach on the Holy Spirit. And it's in this context that he begins to teach them that the Holy Spirit is the power and presence of God that is with and in his disciples. He begins to teach them this very clear way, right, that the Holy Spirit, clear but vague, right, because he's not giving them specifics. Um, The Holy Spirit is the presence and power of God that is with. And in his disciples. Now, let's just look at what he says. In John chapter 14, verse 16 is where I'm picking up. Listen to what it says. He says, I will ask the Father. All right, here's what he's saying. Um, I'm going to ask the Father, God the Father. I'm going to ask him, and he will give you another helper That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So he's right here saying, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you a helper. What I see when I say helper, in fact, I circle that word in my Bible. You might want to circle that word in your Bible as well. Because here's my temptation, and hopefully I'm not standing alone in this struggle, but here's my temptation. My temptation and my struggle um, is that that um that there are that there are times in my life that I try to to, to live my life and even I'll even put it this way, uh being fully transparent. Hopefully, this is a group that I can be transparent in front of. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Being fully transparent that there are times in my life that I live my life and I do ministry as though I don't need the help of God, right? I live my life, right? In other words, I wake up and, and, I, and, you know, I make my breakfast, right? I put on my clothes, I get in my car, I drive to my destination, right? I, you know, I do I do life as though I don't need God's help. There's a temptation to just get wrapped up in the circle of life, right? The repetitive cycle of life of getting up, up, uh, getting dressed, going to work, going home, going to sleep, watching whatever, Game of Thrones or whatever you watch. Um, that's what everybody's watching these days, right? right? right. Watching something on TV, right? And, and I'm just doing life as though I don't need the help of God's Spirit, right? I don't need the helper, the help of God, or or even, this is where I say being transparent, or even doing ministry as though I don't need God's help, right? And um, that is not taking a step back and saying, God, I know that, um, um, I, I know there's some things that I'm able to accomplish and do without your help, right? Maybe this is, maybe you're going, well, I have certain, I have certain skills, I have certain talents, I have certain things I can just do with my eyes, because I was driving the other day, um, <laughs> I was actually, me and Jamie were going to lunch, um, and I, I was driving the other day, and uh, we were leaving the church, we we're going on our way over to Hapeville, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but we, we were almost in Hapeville, and, and, and it was almost like, this is bad, I probably shouldn't tell y'all this, don't call the police on me, it was almost like I woke up, right, because I was driving on autopilot, right, I knew where I had gone, I had made that drive uh, a million times before, and, and it Felt like I mean I wasn't actually sleep behind the wheel, but it felt like I had just, like this, just that I woke up behind the wheel because I was I was on autopilot. And so there's some things in our life that kind of get put on autopilot. We're just doing as though we don't need the help of God. And in fact, I, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't asleep because if I was sleep, that might have been a, a little bit a wee bit of a problem. So I wasn't sleep, but but I just wasn't fully paying attention. I wasn't living fully into the world that I was inhabiting. Right um, and. And as a result of that, I was was able to make it to my my destination. I mean, I was all right. Um, But when that happens in our lives, when our lives get put on autopilot, when we just do and live not fully aware of the present moment And what God, by his spirit, might want to do in that present moment will be all right, maybe. Maybe. You might make it to your destination. But there's a lot of God, God stuff (laughs) that will get overlooked. There's a lot of things that God wants to do in our lives and through our lives that will get overlooked. And so the Bible is telling us, Jesus is teaching his disciples, um, (laughs) after three years, right, he's going, "You've, you've learned a lot of stuff from me, right? And you've gained a lot of knowledge and you've done some incredible things, but you still need help. And he's speaking those words to us as well. But then listen to what he says in verse 17. Right? I'll, I'll back, back back to verse 16, then I'll hit verse 17. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That helper is the Holy Spirit, right? Verse 17, that is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. The Spirit of truth is another word that I circled, circled in my Bible. In this section, I just found myself and stuff. I had to erase some of that stuff because I was like, I can't talk about all of it in the span of a Sunday morning. Um, but the spirit of truth is a, is a, um, is a word that I circled that spoke specifically to me in my own life, in my own circumstance, because what I often, but te- well, y'all are not going to trust me after this morning. What I am often, ju- this, is, this is me when, when my life gets put on autopilot, right? My, my, um, my temptation is to say, oh, Um, Almost like, uh, like, oh, that's a good thing, I'll pursue that. Or, oh, that's a good thing, I'll pursue that. And we want to make every good thing a God thing. But well, what the Scripture is saying is that there's a spirit of truth, right? There's a God who has a plan for our lives, right? There's a God whose way is right, and it cannot be discerned. That The way of God is not intuitive. So there's a helper who's going to lead you in the way of God that is not intuitive. It's not something that you can, uh, you can sit down and read a book and figure it out, right? What's God's will for me today, right? There's not a book that's going to, that's going to explain that in all situations, and in all cases. And so Jesus is saying, you need a helper. One who's going to be with you. And that one is the spirit of truth. And he's going to lead you. And truth, Truth, um, truth, at least in the scriptures, is used to refer to the way of God. Um, the way that God intended things to be. The way God desires for situations in our world to work and play out. Um, it refers to God's will in this world. And so we say it's the spirit of truth is to say um, that this helper is going to guide you into God's will because it's not intuitive. Like it's not like you're not just gonna pick it up uh, because you've read a couple of scriptures in the Bible. You need God's spirit to guide you in this world. So we begin to see that the Holy Spirit is God's presence and God's power with. And in Jesus' disciples is God's presence. He's with them. It's God's power. He's helping them. Right? God's presence is with us. Right? God's power is helping us. When I, when even when I hear this word "help," one of the things that, that comes to mind is I always go, "Well, well, how does how has God helped? Right? How has God helped?" And my mind just goes all the way back. Right? And and, and this is this is just the way I work. Right? Just the way I roll, right? My mind goes all the way back to Exodus, and I think about the Red Sea, right? When God was with His people and He parted the Red Sea, I I, I think about that story, right? My mind at least goes back to that. Actually, it goes back a little bit further than that. We ain't got time for all of that, but it at least goes back to the Red Sea, where He, where they found themselves at a dead end in their lives, and God parted the Red Sea and He made a way out of no way, right? When there was no way, and it was time to give up and. turn around. The helper was there with them. I think about a God who's able to make promises, right? There's a land that I will give to you, he told the people in the Old Testament, right? The Israelites. And, and I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And if y'all remember the story when they sent spies into that land and the people came back and they were like, they're giants. um, um Yeah. And there's no way we're coming into that land, and there was a God who made a way out of no way. We see a God that sent uh, Jesus Christ, the one who came full of compassion and grace and forgiveness, who loved us like no other, who went to the cross and faced the biggest dead end of his life, faced the biggest dead end of our lives, that our Savior was now dead and buried What some might say never to rise again. But he got up from the grave in what appeared to be a dead end. When there appeared to be no ways, he made a way out of no way. And so the Bible is saying that I've got Jesus saying to his disciples, I've been your helper. I've gone before you. And just because you don't physically see my body with you anymore doesn't mean I'm not still with you and that my presence is not still going before you. And so what Jesus is promising his disciples is that the Holy Spirit is God's presence and power with and in Jesus' disciples. It's with them in the way that it's clearing away it's making way for the purposes and plans of God to be fulfilled in our world. It's in, and that it's empowering us to live into those purposes and plans of God. And so, one of the big prayers that that, um, that I that I pray a lot. Um, in, a, in the effort to be sensitive to um, or to respond to God's spirit at work in our world, um, I pray, pray a prayer that has kind of two, two ends on it. Um, one is, God, open doors that you would have me to walk through. Right? Whether that's, um, that could be anything from a job or an opportunity of some sort, um, or even a relationship, or, or just something that that I that I that I, that I want to pursue, I pray um, to God open the door, I shut the or shut the door, right? Because believing fully that God is with me, right by His Spirit, that He's with me, that being with me, He's able to open and shut doors of opportunity. Now that doesn't mean that I. <laughs> As I've done, now continue to trust me, I've learned a lot of life lessons, but as I have done, right, I have kicked at that door and kicked at that door because that's the door I wanted open, and God has shut, and I have kicked. And I, I tell you what, there are times if you kick long enough, God God, God, will, uh, God will let you learn. Um, but but I, the, the prayer I pray is God, open doors. Or shut doors. And then that's the God who's with me, right? The the Spirit of God that's with me. And then um, the the second part of that prayer is God, uh, give me the power or the boldness to either walk through that door or be patient when you've shut it, right? When it's become absolutely clear that this isn't your will for my life. Please help me not to throw a fit and cry and start kicking at the door like a little baby, right? That's kind of the prayer of my life, right? Because uh, the scriptures are teaching us that the Holy Spirit is the presence and power of God. The pres- if God is calling you to something, he can make a way for it to happen, right? If God is calling you to something, he can give you the power and the boldness, the courage to do it. And that's the God we serve, the presence and power of God that is with And in his disciples, the presence and power of God that is with and in his disciples. And what we see specifically in this context is to comfort, to comfort. It's the presence and power of God in and with his disciples to comfort. Because here's the disciples, their their world is beginning to crumble because they just can't see what it looks like to live without Jesus' physical presence with them. They've been riding high, right? They have seen miraculous things, right? They're, <laughs> I imagine they're wearing shirts. Maybe not because people were trying to kill Jesus at the same time. But if I was um, around, if I was one of Jesus' 12, I would have been wearing a shirt, like especially after he multiplied the bread and the fish and fed 5,000, I would have been wearing a shirt that says, I'm with him, right? <laughs> it was just had an error. I'm with him, um, It was after he raised Lazarus from the dead. Y'all remember that story? After he raised Lazarus from the dead, definitely. I sure. I'm with him, right? Um, uh, Yeah, Uh, but. But they have been riding high, and now Jesus is getting ready to go back, and he's explaining this to them, and their, their world is devastated, and they feel like they're getting ready to be abandoned by the one they've placed all their hopes and dreams in. And what Jesus is saying is though, is, is saying is, although you may not see me, right? And, and although you may not feel the touch of my hand on your shoulder, saying it's okay. Right? Or, or, or although you may not see me in the room with you breaking bread and, and, and drinking wine with you, and, and, and although you might not uh, have an opportunity to um, play... Um, monopoly with me anymore, right? Although we won't be able to hang out the way that we did in the past, right? The, the, the presence and power of God is not leaving you. And, and here's what, what I find that we have to do uh, all throughout the Christian life is, is that we have to stand on the fact that God's presence and power of, is with us even when it doesn't feel like it. So there's been seasons in my life I'll be very transparent this morning. There's been seasons in my life um, where, it, and I love I love these seasons where it, it just feels like, um, I mean, it feels like God is walking by my side, right? There's, I mean, there's moments I get up in the morning. There's days that I get up in the morning, and I am excited to open the Word of God because I want to hear what God is going to say through the Scriptures. There, there are there have been seasons in my life. Um, when I am excited to come to church and stand here and to preach the Word of God, and I am excited to see what God is going to do and how God is going to act. There's seasons in my life where I'm like a a, a little boy that's excited to see what God is going to do next in in our world. But then there's seasons in my life. where the excitement has waned and there are seasons for whatever reason where I don't want to open the Bible, there are seasons that I'm not praying as constantly, consistently and regularly or with excitement. There are seasons that I feel that God is not with me. And sometimes those are times when situations, at least to my estimation, appear that God has abandoned me. Sometimes I think they're just mood swings. <laughs> and I think that's, that's valid too. Um, But what Jesus is challenging his disciples to do is through both of those seasons, through those seasons of excitement, when God is clearly doing something in your life and it's so clear that you can feel it, right? It's this tangible almost presence of God, right? Through those seasons where you're excited about opening the scriptures and praying consistently and regularly, where God is clearly doing something, and through seasons of of hardship where you just don't feel like God is, is there with you, right? Through both of those seasons, you have to stand on the fact that God's presence is with you. That's what he's saying in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will see me. Uh, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live in you. And, uh, because I, sorry. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. In that day, you would know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. What he's saying is that I'm not leaving you like orphans and if you... Right? If if you remain faithful in those seasons of hardship, in those seasons of struggle, and in those seasons of, I just don't feel like it. If you remain faithful in those seasons, here's, here's what you're going to see. Um, in that day, verse 20, In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus is challenging us to remain faithful in all seasons of life, because it's only as we remain faithful in all seasons of life does it become extraordinarily clear that God is not only alive, but that he is at work in our lives. And so he says this to comfort the disciples and say, I'm not abandoning you. Then he says it to lead the disciples. So the Holy Spirit is God's presence, and power with and in his disciples to comfort them. You're not being abandoned. God sees, God knows, God hears, God is with you. God knows what you're going through. He knows all that you are feeling. And then we see he's able to lead you in and through those difficult seasons in life. And so it's God's presence and power in and with or with and in his disciples to comfort them and to... Lead them. What we see is that God wants leadership in our life. And what I I find this means often in my own life, when I don't know what to do or how to respond, what this means often is just sitting with God's word and just reading and praying and allowing myself to be open to the leadership of God's Spirit. Because what Jesus teaches in in this passage is that when we are led by the Spirit, that we will act in ways that is different from the way of the world. But what he also teaches is that it's up to us to take the first step of faith by saying yes to God. And as we say yes to God, God further reveals his way for us to live in this world. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works. Look at verse 21. It says, He who has my command commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And then Judas, uh, not Iscariot. This is this is bad. I mean, I would hate to be named Judas and like, if you're still hanging out with Jesus, I would have changed my name. But, but John wants you to know this is not Iscariot. This is not Judas that betray, is, is going to betray Jesus. But Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, Um, What then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode with him. We'll come and live with him. And so here's what he's saying, right? You take that first step of faith. You say, Yes, Lord, I'm going to do your will. I'm going to obey your commandments because out of the love that I have for you, you take that first step of faith, then God by his Spirit is going to come make his abode in you uh, his home in you and he's going to begin to reveal to you the will and purpose of God for your life and what you have to do is sit and be open to the plan and purpose of God and, and here's where this gets so tricky um and I and I mentioned this um not with extreme frequency but I do think I mentioned it from time to time here and that's that, 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 as human beings, we are quick to make our own plans and put God's name on them and say, um, well, this is the way Jesus disclosed himself to me. Uh, and uh, that's between you and God. Right? I'll, I'll just leave that there. But, but, but um, what this scripture is challenging us to do is as much as we are capable and progressively as we walk with the Lord over the course of life to open ourselves up to the leadership of God's Spirit. And 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 I'm I'm running out of time, so I want to move forward. So so here's what this looks like, right? Um, The Holy Spirit will produce in us Right? The first thing the Holy Spirit will produce in us is Christ-like character. Right? The Holy Spirit will produce in us Christ-like character character. So you may ask the question, what does it look like for me um, to be open to the Holy Spirit? Here, here's what it looks like. It looks like Jesus, right? It looks like the kind of things that Jesus would do, that's what it looks like. And so anytime that we're doing something that's out in line with something that Jesus would do, then that's not the Holy Spirit. In fact, um, the, the, the Bible in Galatians chapter 5 kind of gives us a clue into what um, what the uh, work of the Holy Spirit looks like in our lives. In Galatians chapter Chapter 5, there's this passage called the Fruit of the Spirit, or known as the Fruit of the Spirit, where, um, oh man, we're getting there. Um, where, where, uh, where um, here's what it says. It says, but the Fruit of the Spirit, right, this is the work that the Spirit works in the lives of believers, but the Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Ooh. We need to hear that. Self-control against such things there is no law. And so here's here's what the Bible is saying, right? That that if God's spirit and if you're open to God's spirit, these are things for certain that you can be sure of that God is going to begin working in your life. This is Christ like character. So a sign that you are open to God's Spirit, and God's Spirit is alive and working in your life, is that you begin to look more like Jesus um, 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 primarily by these attributes being seen more clearly in your life. You know, it's not a bad idea to pick one of these every month, maybe. Maybe you start with love, right? You pick that and every month you pick a different one and, and and here's not here's what we what we're not to do right we don't we don't pick love and say oh man i'm this month man i'm just i'm just going to be more loving right i'm just going to love more people i'm just going to give give away more stuff uh i'm i'm just going i'm just going you know even times when i don't want to i'm just going i'm going to muscle through it and i'm just going to do it and i'm going to be more loving right that 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 you can that you can do without the spirit of god right Right You can muscle through it without the Spirit of God. Um, uh, so the working of God's spirit calls you to be um, you to apply your muscle, right? On the one hand, so He's not saying it's not saying that that month you sit back and you go, "All right, God, I need You to love some people through me. I'm I'm just gonna wait for You to do it." That's not what the Scripture is calling us to do. It said, "I'm gonna muscle my way through it, but I'm gonna pray every single day. God reveal to me how I can be more loving, how I can act in more loving ways, or maybe more." Um, joyful ways, or how I can have more peace in my life, or how I can be more patient, or kind, or good, or for, God revealed this and worked this in my life, and work this, because here, here's the thing, right, you can muscle through and accomplish a degree, but what God can do through you is so much more than the degree that you're able to accomplish on your own. Um, The second thing that we see uh, here um, that that the Spirit does in our lives is it produces uh, calm confidence in a troubled world. It produces calm confidence in a troubled world. And so what this means is that progressively, um, because this may not happen overnight, but as we continue to say yes to the Lord, and as we continue to walk with him every day, and as we become sensitive and aware of his spirit, his work, his will in, our, in the world, and in, in the way he's bringing transformation in our lives, we find that situations that may have rattled us to the point that we aren't able to even get up in the morning, or situations that would have rattled us to the point that we're not able to function well, in the world no longer rattle us in the same way doesn't mean that he removes our emotions or any of that but our hope is more firmly placed in the God who died and rose to life therefore in the face of a troubled world whether that be storms or brokenness we're able to say it is well In situations that would have stopped us dead in our tracks, no longer do. And God is able to be glorified through our lives. And that is the work of God's Spirit. There's so much more that could be said about God's Spirit. And in fact, I told the praise worship team this morning, I said, I almost wanted to promise although I'm not making that promise, we'll pray about it. I almost wanted to promise that we do a series on the Holy Spirit next year. Well, I guess we're going to be doing that. (laughs) Maybe. Um, But there's so much more to be said. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity uh, to open the scriptures and to study your spirit that is present with us in powerful ways. God, as we live and move and walk as your disciples, God, I pray that you will help us to see and understand how you are present with us. That we'll be able to see doors that you open and shut. That we'll be able to experience your power and your courage at work through us. And God, I just pray that we'll be comforted by that but also that we'll be led by your spirit to live in bold ways in a way that's different than the way of the world. God, please move in this place by your spirit. Please move in this place and in our lives by your spirit that the world might know that we are a people that walk with Jesus by the way we live our lives. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.